Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world, sometimes we have on great episodes, sometimes we have on super fantastic episodes, sometimes we have on episodes that are so amazing, I don't even know how to describe them. Today, we have one that's even past all those descriptions. We have Ilya Bodner, the CEO and founder of Bold Penguin, the man, the myth, the legend, and Drew Aldrich, managing director at... AmFam Ventures on together. Yeah. I mean, it's a rock star show today, people. Rock star show. I know a lot of times you don't think InsureTech and Rockstar go hand in hand, but if you've but ever been to ITC, they do. <laughs> there are lights flashing, there's smoke. Going, well, no, there's no smoke. That's right. Okay. But if there was, yeah. it would be cool. Just think about that one, Caribou, smoke on the stage. Anyway, today is awesome. We're going to get a visit with these guys about the uh, acquisition, and we get to talk about the role that American Family Ventures played in this. It's a great, great uh, time. Now, I do want to let everyone know we have already recorded this, and at the end of the podcast is just a wealth of knowledge uh, right. that is dropped. So I, I encourage right. you to listen to right. the end, and you will not regret it. You have to listen to every minute of this podcast. Uh, you can skip through the part with me and Lee where we're just talking about nothing. Jibber-jabber. Jibber-jabber. But you have to listen to what Ilya and Drew have to say the amazing knowledge transfer that they go through and mm-hmm. and the advice that they have particularly if you're in the startup space yes um, but even if even if you're past that um, great great information from people who have thought long and hard about this and implemented in really spectacular fashion and so we're really grateful to to both of them for doing this in fact it took twice the first time we had internet problems, so we couldn't get it done. So we thank them for coming twice. And listen up. This is a good one. Here is our interview with Ilya Bodner, CEO and co-founder of Bold Penguin, and Drew Aldrich, Managing Director at AmFam Ventures. Hey, everybody. We are here with not one, but two special guests today who have joined us to talk about a very interesting and um, well-known company in the insurtech space, and that's Ilya Bodner, the CEO and founder of Bold Penguin, and Drew Aldrich, the managing director of AmFam Ventures. Welcome, guys. Glad Welcome. to have you here today. Thanks. Thank Great you. Here. Glad to be on finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full transparency. This is our second shot. This is our second go around on this interview because last time um, all things internet decided to just not work. So, uh, but we're back and we're working and um, we'll just run through real quick. Ilya, where do we find you today? Where, where, where are you? I'm in the beautiful Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. That's Very right. Nice. Where Very it's nice. not snowing today, although it flared a little bit yesterday. Did it really? And, uh, I've been promised that there is spring coming. So I'm waiting. Yeah, it looks like you're wearing a hoodie, so I'm guessing it's not 
it's not warm outside. No, my my wife likes to keep our house about as cold as the refrigerator. So that will be my and. And you, Drew, you're you're in the city. Yeah, I live in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's starting to get to be springtime here as well. Great. Well, we we welcome both you guys and are thrilled to have you here. It'll become clearer and clearer as as we go through the podcast why the two of you are here together. And what we want to start with is for those people who have been living um, outside of the InsureTech bubble the last few years. Tell us about Bold Penguin, Ilya, and tell us what it is and, and, and what you guys do. Bold Penguin is a commercial insurance exchange. Uh, we help the process of quoting and binding small commercial. We're a software that distribution uses, so insurance agents, brokers, uh, insure techs, some partners, uh, to quote and bind commercial insurance, easier, simpler, faster, quicker, et cetera. And on the back end, carriers plug into our exchange to distribute their products, sort of putting their available manufacturer products on the exchange so that it reaches the distribution in a digital way. We've been in business for coming up on five years. It'll be our five-year anniversary. Uh, We'd like to think of ourselves as, thank you, as the largest exchange we do right around 100,000 quote starts per month. Those are actual applications other than small commercial. Wow, per month? Mm-hmm, yep. Wow. And uh, we work with, uh, as we call it, you know, the small and the big, the small independent insurance agency all the way up to the largest brokerages that are out there powering their storefronts, their websites, powering their call centers, powering just the tools that they use for the quoting and binding. At this point, we're integrated with just about every insurance company uh, that there is across every single type of product. So whether it's general liability, BOP, or commercial auto, or the mixture thereof, we have it. Uh, we do something called uh, multi-carrier, multi-product quote approach, which means you can get a bundled response back. Uh, wow. We'd like to think of our interview application as the smartest and the more dynamic. Uh, we recently launched something that we call data science or insurance intelligence, which helps pre-fill, aggregate third-party data so that less questions can be asked so that the interview process can be smoother. We're in Columbus, Ohio, but to be honest with you, with COVID and really how things have been progressing on their own over the last couple of years, uh, although a lot of people are in Central Ohio, we're completely virtual and completely dispersed. Uh, But as the world moves more and more digital, as small businesses move more and more on their computer screens and their cell phone screens, more and more use our platform. Uh, and so in, in a lot of ways, we're B2B to C. I'll speak for Lee. I know we have about 250 questions that <laughs> <laughs> that arise sure. just out of what you said, but I want to, I, I don't want Drew to feel bad sitting off there in, in New York City. Drew, tell us what you do and, and what this crazy little company, AmFam Ventures is. Yeah, sure. So as you, as you said, I'm, I'm one of the managing directors for Amphan Ventures. Uh, Amphan Ventures, pretty pretty cool venture capital fund. It started right around very, very, very early days, 2012, 2013. Started as a corporate fund of uh, obviously American family and then has sort of consistently evolved to take more and more advantage of this sort of the radical growth of InsurTech. So 
became more of a sort of financially focused fund in 2016 and then made a sort of really important transition in 2019 where we became a, a multi LP fund. So American family, most important, largest uh, LP, but we have a number of other insurance related entities that have also invested in us. Uh, and this is just to sort of allow us to be better uh, partners to to the portfolio companies to provide even better sort of strategic value back to our LPs and to drive sort of better returns. So the whole fund or the fund we're investing out of now, which we call our, which is our third fund, is just about 212, 213 million. Uh, we write checks about half a million to six or 7 million for initial checks. About 50% of what we do is exactly in insurance. So bull payment is a sort of perfect example of that. But 50% of what we do is really exciting startups that just surround the insurance space in some way, somehow adjacent. So we do a lot in prop tech and IoT and a bunch in fintech and data. And so there's sort of 50% insurance, 50% just out of outside of insurance. And we tend to lead about half, maybe a little more than half the deals that we do. And, and I personally, I've been in insurance for about nine years and I've been doing venture for about seven of that. I started at AXA in their strategy and M&A team and then helped them build their fund and then moved from AXA to AmFam back in 2017. So that's that's my quick version. Yeah, and we've been fortunate enough to have Dan Reed on and Caitlin Johnson. So we're, we're somewhat familiar with some of the pieces that you have there and what you guys are up to. And I mean, I think that anybody who's involved in getting funded in the insure tech world has heard of AmFam Ventures. You guys have uh, made some big splashes. Thanks. Not the least of which is here. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but I want to get back to Ilya and talk a little bit more about Bold Penguin. And I want to start by going back, even though there's lots of details to dig into about what you do, how in the world do you come up with an idea like this and why? Did you have a moment where you were looking for business insurance and you said, oh, wow, this is hard? Tell us the origin story, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't think it's a moment that just hit me. I wasn't standing on top of a rock and lightning hit me. In fact, I don't really believe that anyone actually has those kind of eureka moments. I think it's a combination of many things that come together and shape you. And my story is as follows. I immigrated to the United States in 1993. My first job was working for an insurance agency. I'm from Uzbekistan, which is part of former Soviet Union. Originally, this guy paid me eight bucks an hour to scan the documents of the insurance office. And he would just pull up once a month and or once a week in a fancy car. And I said, you know, I, I kind of want to live the American dream. I want to be that guy. So in my very young and stupid age of 18, I said, I'm going to pursue the American dream and I'll open up my insurance agency. <laughs> what are. everyone does at that That's time. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the story begins. I became an agent and I started selling for what I call hand-to-hand -hand combat, looking people in the eye and offering them car and home insurance. And occasionally one of my customers would have a rental property that they need insurance on or you know, mechanic shop or a bakery or whatever. And uh, when I dabbled with quoting commercial insurance for the carrier I represented at the time, it was really painful process. Uh, going to the dentist is like Disneyland compared to <laughs> what that felt like. And, you know, it was a two-part problem. One is just dealing with the back office and trying to give them the information they need to get a quote back. And the other is looking your client in the eyes and, um, 
try not to waste too much of their time or ask them a million and one questions. And so I'd say the beginning of the bull penguin story was really all around that experience as being in the agent and trying to sell an insurance policy. Um, parked that on the side for a second. We did, I did really well. We did really well. My story evolved to be more of a technology uh, entrepreneur. Fast forward to uh, probably six or seven years ago. Uh, at the time, my partner, Ben, and I um, were just saying we had a couple of previous good um, runs at insurance. And we said, you know, we, we're in Columbus, Ohio. And if you've been to Columbus, Ohio, there's literally a street downtown here where you can walk all the four corners and you're in different insurance companies. They're right across from each other. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're just saying to ourselves, you know, we're, we should stay in insurance because we can reach a lot of customers. We wanted to do a, build a B2B business, so that made sense. And then when you started to like really walk the halls or the streets of Columbus, you know that commercial is one of the few lines of insurance in which the combined ratio allows you to have a profit. And everyone's sort of making money, good money right. uh, on the distribution and the manufacturing side. But everyone kind of chuckles and, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, talks about how archaic the process is and how much paperwork is involved and the shuffling that goes on with it. The moral of the story is everyone knows that change needs to happen, but not no one's really motivated to make it happen. And so we thought to ourselves, this is a good spot to do something to modernize, but not to disrupt, you know, we don't want to mess up these people's lives and, and all that stuff. And, and, and that's not necessary, but let's talk about an upgrade. You know, the joke that Ben and I always have is it's like you're walking into a basement of an old house you bought. You really don't know which wires to cut or to keep or to rewire or whatever. Uh, so you got to be really careful with it. So we thought of it as let's stay in insurance. Let's stay in commercial insurance. And having the background that I have, you know, the problem is not so much, there isn't anything fundamentally broken about insurance. It just needs a serious 21st century technology modernization, or we called it an upgrade. And so again, back to, if you've been to Columbus, I'll kind of get to the point faster. When you realize when you're walking across those four corners of the street, when you go to one company, they say, oh, we don't like to write this kind of business. You go to another one, they say, oh, we love this kind of business. And then you go to the third and they say, well, you know, we price it too high. And the funny thing is there's always a home for almost every kind of business priced right. Uh, you just have to find the right corner you know, to start out with or the right person on the right floor. And we thought to ourselves, okay, well, if upgrading the industry is one of the problems and if finding the home is the other part of the problem, and if reducing the friction for the customer is the third part of the problem, what I remember from my agent days, then perhaps we can build an exchange or a marketplace or a place where if you just route it the right way and technology can help you, uh, the right risk in the right hands can uh, issue the right policy. And so that was really the genesis of the Bull Penguin Exchange. It's kind of a few of these stories coming together. And it really took off. Obviously, the first one was the hardest is the chicken or the egg. You go to the brokers and agents and you say, Hey, we got this awesome piece of software. It'll make your life easier. We say, great. What carriers do you have on? You know, we kind of murmur a little bit. (laughs) Then we go to the carriers and we say, Hey, we have this awesome piece of tech and all agents are going to use this. And 
well, let's simplify it and you know cut out costs for you. They're like, great. What uh, what agents do you have on there? And we kind of murmur there too. So it took a little bit to get a few of these together, one after another, and it started uh, as Drew called it. But we've discovered Drew later. Uh, we've had this very beautiful daisy chain effect of our business to where fast forward uh, almost five years from now, we went from one quote per day per user now to processing over a hundred quotes uh, per month uh, across our entire exchange. A hundred thousand, right? hundred thousand. Yeah. That's right. What I, I mean, said. you said a hundred. <laughs> yeah. One million. <laughs> quotes. So, so how long did that take from the time you said, okay, we're live, this thing's live to the time the first quote actually got placed? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I don't actually re- remember anymore, but probably just a few months. Yeah. Um, not more. We did it all in the beginning. Uh, you know, trains, planes, automobiles. Sure. My partner, sure. Mark, and I literally talked to over 300 agents. I drove to some of them, had lunch with some of them. We met out to golf with some of them. We just had conference calls. We met at coffee shops. You name it. We talked to all of them. And while we were talking, we had a few of our other partners that were developers that were busy building it and trying to integrate a carrier or two. And in the beginning, the integrations were certainly not world-class, uh, but we, we quickly learned the trick of the trade and, and how, to, how to get it up to snuff quickly. And so the the focal point of Bold Penguin, I guess, is really the APIs throughout the systems. I mean, it, to give a seamless workflow connected to all of these brokers and carriers and everything. I mean, is that the essence of Bold Penguin? Yeah, exactly. We looked at it as a three-part problem that requires a three-part solution. As I've explained it, there's the customer acquisition, there's the quoting and the actual market access. Uh, And you needed to actually have all three kind of come together and stair-step them up from there. And very few companies at that time and still to this day think of it that way. You know, we were also starting at a time when InsureTech was starting to be a real thing. Uh, and not just some buzzword. And a lot of our peers were thinking, you know, the real problem is insurance companies are big, fat, and bloated. So let's build a full stack digital insurance carrier of the future. Or they would say, you know, the broker is the problem. They're just lazy and golf all day. So <laughs> let's build a kick-ass website and make it streamlined for that. Um, and we were sort of the you know, the oddball on the side saying, well, that's probably in some way true and, and false. Uh, but let's look at it as a three-part problem that would probably require a three-part solution. So everybody rises with the tide. And I thought your strategy or your idea was really particularly interesting was you said, let's work inside of what's already here. Um, let's use all these incumbents. Let's not go to these incumbents and say, I'm a big threat to you, but rather, you know, I can take friction out of this, out of these relationships for you. That was difficult to do at the time. I actually even remember to this day a meeting that we had a, with a ex- very powerful executive at one of the big insurance companies. Um, and uh, she looked at us. She's like, are you like this or are you like them or are you like the other? And it's hard for them to see if we're friend or foe. And we're basically saying, no, 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 we're not like any of that. We're just here to help upgrade the industry and explain and elaborate what that means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, you had all these very successful people. If you would have come in in opposition to them, they would have fought you, correct? I mean, they they, they would have opposed your solution right. as opposed right. to saying, 
wow, thank you for making it so that maybe I can even buy a second Lamborghini or or, or, <laughs> right. or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, right? to be fair, this is a very big space and yes, different strategies work. And you can be a disruptor. You can scream the loudest. You, you, you can blow things up and start fresh. Um, that we chose not to go down that path because uh, we believe that insurance, commercial insurance is not fundamentally broken. There, there's insurance companies that are great at underwriting risk and, and, and being a fantastic underwriter. There's uh, brokers that are fantastic at looking at a customer and wholesome and come into their need. Um, we just thought that technology could help a space like it helped many other spaces. And obviously, uh, you were correct. You have found that. And so who's on this the most? Is it agents? Is, is, it, is it the agents that are using this the most? Uh, it's pretty nicely evenly split. Uh, on one half, we have what we call distribution, producers, agents, agencies, brokers, insurtechs, partners, adjacent partners, anyone that's in the, in the game to sell insurance, commercial insurance, small commercial insurance. And on the other side, we have main, what we call manufacturers, carriers, those that build products, different lines of products, the underwriters, the product managers, the IT folks, um, the integrators, you name it. Well, so speaking about partnerships, I want to hear more about the partnership between Bold Penguin and AmFam Ventures. So Drew, I'm, I'm hoping you can jump in here. Uh, there's sure. been a, a partnership going on for a long time. Can you tell me how has American Family Ventures introduced to Bold Penguin and give me a little bit of, of the story there? Yeah, I can, I can tell you I got this super awesome uh, text from Ilya the day the transaction closed with a screenshot of him a cold LinkedIn-ing me in I think it was February of 2016. Pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it turned out that I guess I didn't respond to that one or something, and Ilya had to find an, another route, and which worked out just incredibly well. At the time that I met Ilya originally, I was at AXA towards the tail end of my uh, stay there, and I sort of immediately was interested in what they were doing. It, there was a couple things about them that were unique. That you've already hit on a couple of them, but one was they weren't saying the answer to all things is direct to consumer versus that, that really was the dominant theory at the time. Sure. And, and I sort of always had, uh, there's a, definitely a place for new direct to consumer competitors in insurance across most lines, but it is not the answer to all of insurance. And I don't think it's the answer to sort of the majority. I, so I, I already had a preexisting strong belief that humans will be, acting as a seller and as an advisor for insurance sales for a very long time. The more complicated the product, the, the higher the premium, the more important this is. And small commercial, you know, th this coverage really matters. It's the livelihood of not just the small business owner, it's the livelihood of their employees. They really don't want to screw this up and they aren't in the business of assessing what insurance they should get or shouldn't get. And so there's just a, it seems to me pretty natural reason why the human is going to remain there. And uh, Ilya and his team were just, I mean, they, they were trying to empower this group and that felt super logical. Another component was uh, by the time we'd met, I, you know, I'd been in insurance for a couple of years and been in insurance venture for a couple of years. And I am only now more convinced than I ever have been that in most cases, 
distribution of insurance is kind of the hardest part about insurance. When I say the hardest part, it, to tease that up a little bit, you, you can, you know, correctly underwriting is extremely challenging and a lot of expertise goes in it. But you can find, there's like a sort of an open market to, to, to find people who can help you solve that problem. But finding more distribution profitably is really, really difficult. A huge amount of the dollars in insurance go towards distribution. And the neat part is if a particular entity becomes a massive source of distribution in insurance, they are irreplaceable. A, a, a carrier or um, can't sort of quickly pivot off of a, of a major producer of distribution uh, and find an alternative source easily. It's, it's because of this point that's really, really difficult. And through their exchange, they were there was this clear path where Bull Penguin could become this incredibly critical source of distribution. And, and I wanted to invest in entities that had that, that had potential to control proprietary distribution. That those words Ilya has probably heard from me about 50 billion times. And then all the other parts about the problem of small commercial, I wasn't really aware of them before I met Ilya. And then he educated me on, on the size and scope and challenge of the space. And so you marry sort of the two points I was coming into the conversation already excited about with the challenge that he was pointing out in small commercial. It just felt super, it felt like such a great and, and sort of obvious play. And I just got lucky that I think it now is, seems really obvious, especially if you see how many people are trying to tackle a similar type of problem, uh, but it just wasn't then. And, and I think that that was just incredibly lucky on my part. And so it was the first trend, first investment I made when I joined AmFam in like spring, summer of 2017. Was that their first round? We were the first institutional round. Ilya, I think you had taken a little bit of money before us, but not a ton. Right. That's right. Yeah, this was the first institutional investor into Bull Penguin, and we were sort of the only ones for a little while. Uh, it was, it, but but that that was awesome from our side. I mean, that's that's always the best situation as, as an investor. And so that that was the beginning of the relationship in 2017. It's been just like an amazing, amazing ride ever since. One of the questions that I want to jump forward to is is for Ilya, and that is, you guys are having success. Your product is getting used more and more every month, and you're at a fork in the road, I'm, I'm guessing. And, and that fork is, what do we do next as far as ownership, as far as monetizing, as far as investment into this? You make a decision to, to sell the company, if I understand correctly, to sell the company to American Family. Is that correct? Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, there's, there's a lot more uh, to sure. that. And, and let me give it a little bit uh, or one click more. This is where a good learning moment for any founder or any VC that invests in early stage companies uh, came true. I was very open and honest with Drew and I was very fortunate uh, to meet folks uh, like him later down the road to say that from the start, I believe in my heart of hearts that Bull Penguin is, can, or should be a business unit or division within an insurance company. Uh, and, and Drew's probably heard me say this a million times too. So we, we just knew from the start that what we're doing uh, has a natural, at least to us, from our vantage point, home. When the inevitable question came of, do you sell, do you raise, do you go on, uh, spec, IPO, et cetera, 
this is the thing that I wanted to do. This is where I felt like bullpen will end. I didn't know that January 14th or 2021 would be that date, but uh, I did know that that's the, the natural home for it. So the one click down for that is it, w- it wasn't that big of a shocker, that big of a fork in the road or that tough of a decision in the sense of strategically where it should be. So why is it you thought that it needed to be here instead of off on its own? It doesn't need to, but everything adds up for it being, you know, with the right partner, of course. And then there's, right. there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of context because we are a neutral platform. We celebrate our independence all the time. And the way that, you know, it's like Switzerland, the, the only way it works is when everyone trusts you and, and uses the product and, and they continue to do. So we had to be very careful to think about what, what carrier out there does it make sense for. And, and in a quick nutshell, uh, American family through the partnerships and the acquisitions and the, the commitment that they've made to, to keep it separate and the, the strong, fierce independence that we have, it all made sense and it's non-threatening and, and not hurtful for anyone else. Yeah, I know because it's the, kind of the same with AmFam Ventures, the way I see it, Drew. I know that you guys have raised maybe your most recent fund that you've included some of your competitors also have their money in that. Is that correct? So you guys have reputation for trust? Yeah. No, I, th- I think that, I think that's absolutely right. I think it's probably, it's, it's not at all random that Ilya found a great partner at AmFam and that the that we at the Ventures team are able to do what we can do uh, and, and take these sort of really interesting leaps into having outside parties invest in us, outside insurance carriers and brokers invest in us. And it, it all sort of makes the whole stronger partners and AmFam included. I think these things are totally connected. It's, it's sort of funny because until you just said that, I had never put those two points together, but that feels totally right. So, you know, Drew, whenever I always like to ask investors, whenever you're looking at companies, what are you looking for? Is it the company itself? Is it the founder? Is it the people? Is it the idea? What is it that draws you in and says, yes, that is what we, we need to do? On the, the first part, the first part of the answer is always totally non-surprising. In many ways, we look for a lot of the same things sort of every VC is looking for. We look for big problems and big markets with solutions that sort of match those problems. We look for amazing founding teams. Uh, we look for initial traction that sort of proves the ultimate points. But I think the, the sort of the next layer down on the answer is by being industry-focused investors, 50% of what we do is insurance and 50% is sort of insurance-related, but just outside of insurance. And that that allows us the time and the experience and that sort of we get to have just tons and tons of conversations that all sort of relate to each other because we get to see almost every single thing in insurance, almost all the insure techs uh, at some point or another come to us or we go out to them. And that allows us to build sort of heuristics or mini theses or large, robust theses about the future of the space. And we look for deals that that match up well with the way we already believe the world is trending. So I sort of hinted at this when, when we were talking about this with uh, how I met Ilya and the Bull Penguin team. We already had these sort of strong beliefs around uh, humans and their importance to insurance, uh, the control of distribution. And often these predefined theses relate to some sort of how do they take over the world. And so in in the Bull Penguin case, it's if this can work and Bull Penguin can become this huge source of distribution and then from there can interconnect to allow this totally 
uh, analog industry where, where it's a huge industry, huge, many very large nodes, but those nodes don't interact digitally. BP can take their positioning uh, as this critical distribution source and, and turn into the infrastructure player for small commercial. They're going to be set up to sort of take a small sliver of the, of the uh, value in, in the ecosystem. And, that, and that's in a you know, $100 billion market. And that is how you get to be B2B big. So we look for you know, all the core things that sort of every VC looks for, but then we look for these magical stories that say, hey, this thing can become a sort of systemically important player in the market. And there's, there's not going to be many of these players in any one industry. And so we look for, so, so it's, it's when we see that, that we get you know, extremely excited. In the Bull Penguin case, we, you know, we started with, okay, founder was excellent. Founding team was excellent. The market was excellent. They already fit these theses. We sort of waited you know, a few months until we could see, okay, well, actually the traction is marrying up to the theory. So let's make the play now. But one of the amazing things was the, the scale and scope of how big BP could become kept getting bigger at every single round. And so we sort of leaned in aggressively on every round. I think we sort of increased our ownership on every single round after that first one, because the, you know, in hindsight, it becomes super easy. Oh, BP creates this exchange and then they're going to interconnect the universe and then they become the, the, the key winner infrastructure player in small commercial. But at least from my vantage point, it was not that obvious in the beginning. It was, hey, they could become this huge source of distribution and that would be valuable. And then it was, oh, now that they've done that, they're able to leverage that into this bigger play. And they and, and that sort of just kept growing uh, every year, which was just incredibly exciting. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in that idea. And Ilya, I want to ask you, as the founder early on, where Bold Penguin is today, did you see all that in the beginning? Or, or did you have this kind of the same experience that Drew's talking about, that the further you got into it, the more, the, the more opportunity the more uh, angles became apparent. Yeah, I, I saw it all in the beginning. I wish we did more of that faster. Uh, I definitely want to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, this has been all part of the plan, and there's still some things that uh, we have not completed that are part of the plan that I'm excited to do in the next five years to come with the AmFam ownership, et cetera. You know, people ask me why AmFam and uh, it's really a lot of the right ingredients for us to take it to the next level. There is going to be quite a bit coming out of the Bull Penguin camp that has always been part of the original plan to look at it as a three-part problem uh, with a three-part solution to have this commercial connectivity take place, the quote submissions, the quote and bind, the more digital, the partnerships, uh, activating agents, redefining the way brokers help in the space. And uh, we just got started. Now we have all the right ingredients to make this beautiful pie. That's very exciting. So as a founder, living through what you've learned through, what do you have to say to other founders out there? One of the things that other founders in the InsurTech space, one of the things that are interesting to me is, is that we frequently talk to people in the InsurTech space who were from insurance, like yourself, and others who weren't. How important was that looking back? Obviously, it was important. But what do you have to say to founders that are coming into it today? Man, how much time do we have? Go ahead. There are Go so on. many learning Talk lessons. Yeah, so many 
so many things. Uh, I think, um, you know, we, we have a whole uh, couple hours set up aside as a team of um, what we've learned through all this thing. I don't even know where to start. I'll just kind of ramble some things. So the question you asked about insurance, insurance is huge. Paying out claims, originating policies, underwriting, reinsurance, technology, customer acquisition, uh, telematics, uh, IoT. I mean, the list goes on and on. Everyone touches insurance in one way, shape, or form. I don't think it's an absolutely requirement, but in some ways you should have personal experience how it impacted you so you could shape it as a founder for sure. can be completely cold going into it. Lessons or advice to founders. InsureTech is hot right now. It's certainly a very hot category. A lot of companies are going public and uh, joining specs. And it seems like every day I read another $100 million round or more that took place. It's kind of nuts, crazy out there. So um, it's easy to get lost in it. Picking the right investor is really hard, really hard, especially when money is quote unquote cheap, where you know you'll, you can get a decent term sheet or a great term sheet uh, because there's so many that are trying to come in. Um, kind of what I said earlier, where I believe that Bull Penguin should, can, or will live inside of an insurance company, have that kind of an idea, have an end goal in mind and find an investor that really undeniably completely agrees with you on that angle because that's the ultimate decision. We were very lucky to meet Drew who helped shape us and we helped shape him. And it was a really great symbiotic you know, growing relationship. Um, not everyone has that kind of experience and I've heard all sorts of horror stories. That is also true at every round. At every round, you're just inviting one more person to the table, to the party, to the house. You really got to make sure they are completely aligned with you with the end goal, with the end mission. It's okay to have differences and disagreements and et cetera along the way, but you know, I'm having the end, end decision matters. You said, you know, what do VCs look for in a deal? Is it the ideas of the people? Is it the, the team, the size, et cetera? Founders should think the same exact way. You know, I talked about this before. It's three legs to the stool, idea, people, capital. You can have the best idea, but without capital or team, you can't do anything. You can have the greatest people, but with a dumb idea or no capital, you can't do this much. So you get the idea. You really got to balance it. Early team members really do define the company. So fire fast, hire slow, and really make sure the people around you complement your weaknesses. When you look around the room, you don't want to be looking at a mirror, people that are just like you. You want to look at people that are doing things that are what you're not good at or not as good at or don't have the time for or have a different perspective or different background, et cetera. Trust in yourself is probably another one. There's been so many sleepless nights, so many moments where I was just like, oh my God, this thing is going <laughs> to flunk, tank, disaster. I don't even know how we're going to make payroll or I'm dreading this meeting with our largest client on Tuesday. You know, we're going to get fired for sure. This, that, the other. Usually people respect authenticity, honesty, and what I call taking the high road. If you take the high road on things, it'll all, it'll work out. It always will. So trust in yourself. That if you take the high road, it might suck long, short term. It might really sting long term. But it all works out if you take the high road and trust in yourself. 
You know, not, not every company's goal is the same. Some companies want to be the biggest. Some want to be the fastest. Some want to be the most profitable. Some want to be the loudest. Some want to be the first to an IPO. Some want to be the most strategic. Some want to be an acquisition target. Some want to be international. Everyone has slightly different goals, and it is extremely important to understand what you want to be. And this isn't one of those, you have to know what you want to be when you grow up, but you just have to have a general direction of what you want to be. As an example, for some reason, it's popular right now in InsureTech not to be profitable. People brag about that, how Uh much money they're burning. Um, That works. That's fine. There's been plenty of companies that figured out how to burn money and then swing back around and have an EBITDA profitability someday, somehow. That works. Make sure that's your plan and you go for it. There's other companies that say, I want to have the most number of units sold in my respective category. That works. Go for it, et cetera. There's some companies that want to really focus on their gross margins or efficiency. Figure out what that thing is that you want your company to be and go for it. It's okay to change it or edit it or tweak it through the years, but just going in and saying, hey, I I want to have a startup and I want to have a company and I want to do this, that, the other, that is part of it. Um, the, the bigger part is what kind of company within the, what are the guts of it that are going to look like it. I guess I see, you see the theme in all of this is if you're just leaving things up for chance, uh, you'll wander the woods. If you have an end goal in mind and you're working backwards from that goal, you have a much better shot at not becoming something stable, successful, you know, here to stay for a while. I've had the luxury of having a B2B company, enterprise sales, which are longer cycles, no direct mm-hmm. consumer stuff, marketing mm-hmm. spend is less, burn is less, et cetera. So it's a little different. I, I, I focused every day on how to build enterprise value. My partners and I always talk about people. There was a time when people bought IBM because you just can't get fired for buying IBM. So everyone should feel comfortable with buying the Bull Penguin solution because it's the sure thing. How do we become that sure thing that it's a no-brainer for everyone? I understand that in direct-to-consumer, it's very different. Building a household name is very difficult. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of convincing. It takes a lot of the right ingredients. You got to think about that from the start. What do it take to really stick? Uh, if you're not thinking about how to build a 100-year-old brand, you're doing it wrong. Um, I would say that's a that's an important thing uh, to say. There's no shortcuts. There's no quick get rich schemes in any of this. And just remember, InsureTech is for sure a bubble. Hopefully it's a bubble for a very long time <laughs> with multiple bursts and, and mm-hmm. expansions uh, for my sake and everyone else mm-hmm. that's listening. But just because times are good today doesn't mean it'll be this way forever. So certainly plan for the nuclear winter, have a backup plan, think for the, you know, what happens when the storm comes kind of moments. I just remember this time last yep. year and talking to my executive team and feeling like the sky is coming down and we, we had plenty of cash to go on for a couple of years. We had good gross margins. We had good profits. We had fantastic investors who immediately called me and said, do you need any help, et cetera. So all the things are good, but still we're just like, is the world going to collapse? You know, I have one guy telling me the SMP is going to be cut in half and Someone else saying all businesses are going to get shut down, which actually did happen in some states. So there's certainly 
moments where you just don't know what's going to happen and you, you want to have a couple of extra plans put in place for that. And luckily for us at Bull Penguin, we had an exceptional executive team that's been through the 08 crash, that's been through 2001 uh, terrors and, and more. Uh, and we kind of came in together. Uh, but, but that is an important thing uh, to do for sure. <clears throat> Back to my personal experience, and I'll, this will be the last one and I'll shut up. But, uh, you know, again, I was B2B. So we joke about all the time, the famous Henry Ford saying, if you ask your customer what they want, they'll, you know, basically say, I want a faster horse. Uh, just remember that when you're dealing with customers, you are there to make their lives easier and give them solutions that they pay for and get an ROI and make their day efficient, faster, cheaper, et cetera. But they don't always know the answer back to the Henry Ford famous quote there. And so you really do have to step outside and think about, am I really building a faster horse uh, or am I mm -hmm. building a car? Uh, and that's a that's a tricky one to to think about. But only a founder, or only a couple folks that are completely in the business from the start can can figure out where to go with that one. Right. And that, I think that's uh, was one of Steve Jobs' perspectives as well. Was that um, it's not, it if if the consumer knew exactly what they'd want, they'd have it. But sometimes you need to show them something that they didn't know that they that could be. It's a very delicate balance because you never want to build something that's bleeding edge or just, you know, quote unquote, came in too early mm -hmm. to the market. You want to just find it just a, just that that right groove where it makes uh, things simpler, but it wasn't the obvious thing. Drew, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, quickly before we run out of time today to put out your message to founders who I know that you work with many of them all the time to kind of follow up what uh, what Ilya shared with us. Yeah, sure. So I have to definitely echo Ilya's point about finding the right capital for you. And I think it'd be obviously too self-serving to say, you know, uh, if you're an insure tech, you've got to have, you know, a lead investor who definitely knows your space. I think it's, it's more than that. It's in a very real way, you're entering into this incredibly important relationship that you're going to be with for quite a long time and has a outsized impact on your life. This is from, from the founder's perspective, choosing the, their capital partner. And one of the challenges to the point about being in a, at a really hot space in a really hot time is transactions move really fast today. I mean, just incredibly fast. Probably the fastest I've, I've been, you know, seven years I've been doing this, it's definitely the fastest uh, from sort of you know, meeting to term sheet expectations. And one of the challenges in that type of environment is the getting to know you part uh, which is just so key because you go through all these ups and downs with the capital partner and uh, you, you sort of can't take back that decision afterwards. And so as much as possible, try to do all the diligence yourself, uh, you know, interview them in, a, in, a, in as best a way as you know how. Try to just, can you, do you enjoy working with this person do you respect them? Do you find them valuable? It, it, it's just such an important relationship. And, uh, and because it's, this is obvious on the investor side. I mean, I think all investors know that this is a, a key part about it. I mean, I think most investors have a sort of, you know, you don't want to get into, into business with someone that you, you sort of can't stand. And this story has just been so fantastic because I mean, it's, it's just been such a wonder, wonderful experience to grow up over the last couple of years with Ilya and Ben and the management team of, of Bull Penguin. And it's, it's been just an absolute 
highlight of my life and career. It's, it's just, it's just the coolest thing. And, and it would have been such a totally different experience if we didn't have such chemistry. And so, so I just think that that's a underrated point of what founders should be looking for in their capital partners. In addition to all the other stuff, you know, knowledge and the price has to be right and stuff like that. But this is really, really, really key. This is, I think it's, it gets really fun and very magical is when you have all those things clicking at once. We have overspent our budget with you guys, and we really appreciate the generosity of your time and, and even giving it to us a second time. We're grateful and thankful, and we'd love to have you back to talk some more about these issues. I mean, we have a whole page. I have a whole page of notes and questions in front of me that we didn't even get to, which is a tribute to uh, how special you all are. And we thank you again for being with us and please come back again. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for having us on the show. I'm excited for this, uh, for the audience uh, that is interested to learn more about Bull Penguin, visit our website, contact me on LinkedIn. I'll do a little promotional plug. We are here to grow and conquer small commercial with you. So please, uh, people like Drew helped us get to this point and uh, folks at American Family and Every single one of our customers, uh, Nationwide Progressive, you name it, they've been exceptional at uh, what they do. So we're excited about the, the years to come. Wonderful. Great. Thanks. Thank you. You know, sometimes we have superstars on our podcast. This was one of those days. Absolutely. I mean, Ilya Bodner is like a, he's like a rock star in InsureTech. Yeah. I mean, I loved his knowledge transfer at the end of that. Just yeah, that, giving all these insightful pieces of information. I, I that was that was really a a memorable part, a uh, uh, important part of that podcast. Right. So if you if you uh, scrub through to the end, just so that you could hear the best part, which is me and Lee talking. Correct. You want to go back and yeah. re-listen to what Ilya had to say, his suggestions, his wisdom, his insight, because there's not. Many people in InsureTech, a handful that have the credentials that this young man has. And yeah. um, thanks, everybody, for being with us. And come back next time for another wonderful edition of FNO InsureTech. And special thanks to our producers who make really all of this happen. And until next time, we'll say bye, everybody. <laughs>